The following conversation is bonus content for patrons of the airing of grief. We'd like to remind everyone that all potential trigger and content warnings are in place. Going well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm riding high off of all these. You're my third call in the last in this like space of an hour, and they have okay. been good. So I mean, pressure's on. Better make this a good one. No, I'm kidding. Oh, um, no, it's been such a. It's been amazing. Um, also, I love your Skype name. <laughs> Thank you. I've it's come really from a big family, and so I kind of um, thought that might be the case when I saw it. So. Um, yeah, well, I'd love to hear all about that big family and maybe anything else you feel like sharing. Um, definitely curious about how you kind of found us, how you found your way to the podcast and, um, also what your experience has been and what, um, if it's like a deconstruction story, reconstruction story, I'd love to just, uh, hear a little bit more about that and hear more about you. Yeah. Um, goodness. I always try to think of where to begin. Well, I I grew up. (laughs) Yeah, I I grew up in the church. Um, My parents were always very involved. Either my dad was worship leader at lots of them. Uh, My parents were youth pastors at different times. They were children's pastors. Um, We just always grew up as if you're going to church, um, you volunteer, you do things there. Um, Mm -hmm. That's that's what that's all about is being a part of that. And so um, we we grew up. Not really fundamentalist. Um, we we were pretty all over the map. I went to a Wesleyan church when I was really young. We were in a Church of God. We were in Baptist churches. We mm. we kind of spanned the gamut. Theology yeah. wasn't a huge part of hmm. of our faith life. Um, Interesting. It was just try to try to live like Jesus and love people and mm. and serve people, and that's kind of wow. how we grew up. And so I really that's surprisingly pure. <laughs> really love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, um, as, as I grew up, I got really into youth group around middle school. We were at a, um, a real evangelical growing church and, um, I, I really just sunk in there. Um, that's kind of where I first got into, to Cademan's call with Derek mm-hmm. and listening to them, um, through most of, of growing up. And I always identified with the songs that he did, um, more than anyone else, um, the the Long Line of Levers album. There's a bunch of songs on there that that he wrote and sang that was always songs that I identified way more with mm. um, than a lot yeah. of other things. And as I grew through that, um, I, I started to see the church that I was in as it was growing and growing and got a new building and all these great things were happening. And I was a um, I think I was a junior in high school and I was leading the the praise band and doing all these things. And it just hit me one day. I was like, this is not where I need to be. This is not where I want to be. Something just felt off. And so I stepped away from that church um, on my own. My parents still went there and were involved, but I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And um, it was a really strange thing um, at that point to step away from church, especially where my parents went, that we'd always went together. Um, it was, it was a hard transition to make because mm-hmm. I'd known so many people. I got so involved and, um, 
but I always just had some issues with with the way churches did things. Um, different times, things just never quite felt right. But I always had a passion, um, especially for for worship and being a part of that and trying to think outside of the box. Um, and so at 19, I got my first job as a as a worship leader at a church, um, and did that off and on for. Mm-hmm. 10, 12 years. Wow. Um, and that was kind of my life. That was my passion. Uh, I tried to go to college. Um, I, I changed my major about four different times. I was at three different schools. I just, nothing ever fit other than working in the church. That's right. what I've always had wanted to do yeah. my whole life. And, um, I, I finally got into, um, a church that I was enjoying and things seemed to go well. And, um, then the nice way to put it was I was laid off from a church, mm. <laughs> but it was the, the church decided to cancel the contemporary service that I worked for. Whoa. Um, and so I sat in a, in a church meeting where people voted to basically end or terminate me, oh, um, which was really strange. That's and, awful. Um, I just kind of got a very different view of kind of the back end of the church. Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff that led up to that that was yeah. just ugly and made me sad. Um, and so I I left that and I was like, I need to take some time away. Um, my wife and I ended up going to Uganda for six months. Um, really enjoyed um, just kind of being away, but also trying to do some work that we had always wanted to do. And um, trying to serve other people through that. And I kind of had vowed I wasn't going to get back into ministry. Mm. Um, and I got sucked back in a few years later and thought I'd found a really great church. And it really was, um, we, we kind of both, my wife and I kind of dove in, um, and, and just really enjoyed what was going on. And I finally got to the point where I became a a full-time associate pastor, worship leader, um, so it was kind of like my dream that I'd always wanted, had prayed for, had worked for, finally came. Um, and about six months in, I was kind of like, this isn't what I, mm. what I wanted. Mm. This isn't where I wanted to be. Um, and so I started kind of going through just questioning a lot of different things and um, had, had been opened up to some, some different friends and experiences, learning new perspectives, um, learning more about racism and um, sexism within even within the church and and all these different things that I'd never thought about really just theology that I'd never put any thought to yeah um, and so that kind of started a path of just questioning a lot of stuff and in the midst of that we had another big craziness issue within that church that I was at where they um, kind of came after the lead pastor and there's a lot of issues with the leadership and how they handle things. And um, I kind of started to just check out. Um, I was like, this is way too much to handle because I'm already going through kind of a crisis of faith. But then I'm also seeing all these things within the church of how people are not living or acting like Jesus. Right. Um, and it was just, it, it was an awful time. Um, and I, I stepped away from that church um, and I did it in a way because I wanted to protect the church and what was there and the people. Um, but unfortunately it came at my own expense, um, where it just, there were certain things that happened that, that really kind of devastated me, um, in the name of protecting the church. And, 
um, over the, the past, um, that's been a year in January. And, and over that time, I started to realize more and more things as I was kind of trying to open up, but it, it kind of started to put me in a, um, just a really dark place, uh, dealing with depression. Um, just, you know, I, I actually didn't get another job, um, for quite a while and that, that caused strain in our marriage. Definitely. Yeah. Just so much stepping yeah. away from and that. This is with in the your like, of sense of purpose too, where you're kind of right. like, okay, well I had such purpose before and now, it, yeah, that, that piece of that work component or lack of work can, can really fuck with like your sense of purpose about the way you live and move in the world. A hundred percent. It was, yeah. we had this entire community. I had yeah. my, everything I wanted in life and where I was going. And then it's just, you know, in that instant, it's gone. Yeah. Um, and we were both in the place of a, like, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Like, where? And that's kind of where I'm at. Of you know, where do I go from here? I don't have a degree in anything. I, you know, getting a job um, without a degree is way easier in a church, but that's not huh. something that I'm interested in. So then, right. you know, now what kind of thing? Yeah. And um, in the in the midst of that has been. Early on, I would call it a reconstruction, mm. and I think that was more to um, maybe appease people that might freak out if I said that I was deconstructing. <laughs> sure. um, and the more I, I came around to it, I started to realize, no, I'm I'm really deconstructing. And mm-hmm. um, I listened to a lot. I got into the Liturgist podcast, mm. um, which really turned stuff upside down for me yeah, in a really amazing. good way. Yep. Um, yep. And started just kind of branching out and listening to different people. And um, I was, um, well, the funny thing is the next job I got was at a church as a janitor, Mm. um, which is a crazy whole new perspective on seeing how people treat and use the church when you're in a completely different, you know, a non-position of power. Um, And that's been a really interesting thing. That's a fascinating switch to make. Yeah. It's so strange. And my my Twitter profile is um, recovering pastor turned janitor. (laughs) Um, I was like that. It says so much. It just says so much. Yeah. Um, Hmm. And so I I basically, the thing that I love about it is I podcast or listen to music all day long. Yeah. That's Um, awesome. And that's been fantastic. And so I came across... um, then Glorious Pastors podcast, mm-hmm. and Derek was on it promoting his new album. Yeah, um, and I had always listened to Derek for a long time when he, especially when he broke off and did She Must and Shall Go Free, and mm-hmm. um, I got to go to a few house shows, and I was just like, I was so on board with him. And then um, I just, I just kind of stopped listening, not for any reason. It just, I, I really had gotten into listening to all this worship music and things like that that I didn't listen to much else, and. Mm-hmm. Um, heard about his new album and I was like, well, I'll check this out. And, um, God, it, it just <laughs> Little did turned you know my what world you were upside in for. down. Yep. <laughs> um, but I, I loved it. I was like, holy shit, this is where I'm at. Um, and, and his, the spirit bears the curse, mm. um, that you go through the whole thing and I'm just sitting there thinking, this is weird. Like, this is not the Derek Webb that I'm like hearing about and, and kind of remember, you know, he's going back into this, like, this is like a worship song. I'm like, this is kind of strange. And then he hits, you know, the last part with yeah. alcohol and I, I, I swooned, um, <laughs> like listening to that. It was just like, Oh my gosh, like this, 
this is amazing. Perfect. That's um, awesome. And it just, so much of that hit me. And so, um, you know, I, I had that on repeat for days and yep. days. And then I found out about the airing of grief. And um, that has just been so huge and impactful to get to listen mm. um, to people's stories and yeah. just kind of hear what they're going through. And, and I, um, it's, it's such an incredible idea um, that mm-hmm. really you know, it's crazy to think nobody's done this before of let's yeah. just sit and have a conversation. And yeah. you may think nobody wants to listen to that, but you <laughs> know, Everyone somebody like to. me, yeah. yeah, we live in East Tennessee, so we're mm-hmm. not real far from, from you guys. Yeah. And it's, there's not many people that we can talk to about this yeah. stuff and that, yeah. that have those same thoughts or that are willing to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to hear that, um, and, and hear Derek go back and forth with people and um, uh, just kind of walk through those things has, mm. has been so impactful for yeah. me. Because it makes you feel um, so much less alone because you can hear your story right. and someone else's story. And you're like, there's at least right. one person out there that I can connect with, whether we even ever meet each other or not. We're on the same page. Mm-hmm. I'm not all by myself. Right. Yeah. And the the trippy mm-hmm. thing is you're hearing people who are able to put into words mm. feelings you've had yes. for months and months that you've never been able to really get out there. And yeah. then you hear somebody say it that you don't even <laughs> know. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, yeah. it's insight into your own soul and what you're going through. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's something about that, too, that the, the work that I do as as um as a coach that, um, you know, it's very, it's very trauma informed and trauma aware. And it's primarily focused on people leaving, um, painful, toxic, abusive relationships with fundamentalist religion, particularly Mm -hmm. evangelicalism, obviously. But, um, the thing about trauma that's so fascinating is, um, when you've been through something traumatic and it, it, it stores itself in a certain part of your brain that actually is, um, kind of the most, uh, base level kind of like reptilian mind like we're just in survival mm-hmm. mode like that like fight flight freeze response brain your amygdala right. um and the process that healing from trauma has to go through is the experience that you had the memory that you hold of the experience that you had essentially has to this is a really oversimplified way of saying it but it has to move from that part of your brain from the amygdala like into the hippocampus essentially um and the hippocampus is responsible for providing context around the experience and that's how you heal from PTSD is you give you give the experience context it's no longer feels as if it's happening in real time in your body um, you're able to say no that happened it's in the past but the fascinating thing about the hippocampus and that part of your brain is it's responsible for providing context and the primary prim, primary way in which it provides that context is by providing language so quite literally having language for what happened to you is is a luxury when you've been traumatized. It's an almost impossible to imagine luxury when you've been traumatized. So if you can imagine it in the sense of when someone else gives you that language, it kind of zooms you up to that, like uh, like it, it, it fast tracks you to the option of healing because you're like, oh my, oh my God, that's it. You like have this moment, you're like, that's it. That's the feeling. You just spoke into existence the feeling that I've held in my body for years but have never been able to explain. And then once you've got a hold on it, once you've got a handle on that language for that feeling that now you internalize that it goes back into 
being able to, it becomes a conversation that you are now having with yourself and you're now having with your body to really like, this is it. This is the feeling. Let's talk about this. And that moves you through that process of healing. So what you're saying, like has a, there's a scientific, you know, scientific basis for the feeling behind that freedom that occurs when you hear someone else kind of say your story for you. Um, so I, you know, and I, that's something that I, I love that I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, how come no one's done this before? And I think that that's like such a beautiful part. All we're doing is just listening to each other and we don't even know that we're healing each other, but we are just by way of listening right. to each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I found, especially when, when I, I first left the church and just really was, was struggling. Um, I just, I, I shut down, um, as far as friends or talking to people, um, I just, I couldn't do it. I I had no desire to be around anybody. Um, But the crazy thing was when I did finally push myself to do those things, uh, most of the time I would come out feeling so much better because Mm -hmm. I would either talk about things or somebody might share some insight that would just open up new things for me. But once I left that situation, it was back to you know, being closed off and staying away from everybody and trying to fight and overcome, um, that those feelings of just, uh, I don't want to have a conversation. I don't want to have to be, you know, the person that people thought I was, or people used to know that was the worship leader, the Mm -hmm. pastor, the, all of these things. It's, this is where I'm at now. And I'm just trying to figure out who that is. And so, you know, there's a few people that I have in my life um, that I can just be me with yes, and yes. it's not a big deal and that's wonderful. And I'm, yeah. I'm thankful that, um, you know, my wife is a hundred percent one of those people that mm. we, we just have an incredible relationship where we can just, we can do whatever and, and mm. say whatever and, that's beautiful. and it just doesn't matter. Um, mm. and that's, that's been a huge help through the process. Yeah. Um, yeah. she's always been in kind of a, somewhat of a deconstructionist, Mm-hmm. Um, state for for years. Um, even when I was working in the church, she she kind of struggled because she was like, I don't know how much I completely agree or sure. even believe these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she supported a lot of just the ideas of we need to love people, we need to care for people, and that's such a huge part of building relationships. Wow. Um, but she always thought of scripture, especially more critically mm-hmm. than I ever mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. and. Once I started to do that and started, I would sometimes I would even like share something with her, and she's like, "Well, you know, we I, we talked about this years ago, and I said this to you, and you thought I was crazy." And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, because I never really looked at scripture in a critical way, right? You know, and and I wasn't really I was raised to read the Bible, but you know, it was just it was read it and take it for what it is, and yeah. then just go and love on people. Yes, and right. so now I feel like within a, a spiritual journey that I've, I've gotten so much more into looking deeper into like the Bible, how it was written, why it was written, what's the context, looking so much deeper and critically. Mm. Um, and then starting to realize a lot of the things that I see in church or hear from people, or even that I thought myself, it's like, this is, this is not right. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is completely wrong. Um, and so it, it's just been a, a complete world shift, mm. um, yeah. that it's, it slowly started to feel like some of the fog has lifted. Yeah. Um, but we're still kind of, of in that space of, all right, like what's next? How do yeah. we, 
how do we continue to walk through this and yeah. um, try to find community and build community with people that we can have discussion, we can have doubt, um, we can have questions, and, and that that's seen as okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, well, I, I so wish that we had more time to talk. I have a, I have to hop on some client calls actually here in a moment. Yeah. So, um, but thank you so much yeah. for, um, for coming on and for chatting. I always want to say us, even though it's like just me, it feels kind of weird, but <laughs> what, technically with us. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for like being willing to talk with us and share your story yeah. with us. And in that same way that you've been impacted by hearing other people's stories, I love thinking about a kind of like the ripple effect of that, of now you mm-hmm. stepping into that space of vulnerability and sharing your story with that kind of unseen audience of people, the amount of people that are are going to be able to connect with what you're saying and you're providing language now for people who right. have not had that language for themselves so that healing just kind of continues rippling out and I think that that's it, it reminds us that like even though we might feel like we're alone we're we're very much not alone in this process mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that's great well, well thank you Matthew yeah. um thank enjoy, you you're welcome enjoy the rest of your day yeah. and hopefully we'll talk again sometime soon Okay, that sounds great. Also, you're Thanks. in East Tennessee, so like, come to Nashville sometime and hang out with us, the Crying Wolf. <laughs> That's I. I told Derek I had to miss the Knoxville show because mm-hmm. we were actually had to move out of our house that we were renting within a week, and life mm-hmm. just got crazy. Oof, yeah. Um, but he's coming to Johnson City, which is right where we live, yeah, cool. and so I'm super excited. But I told him I said next time I'm in Nashville, I'm giving y'all a call to yes. have a beer. So I will yes. do that. Perfect. We would For love sure. to see you. That'd be great. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. going good. good how about yourself i'm doing fine thanks for taking a few minutes to chat absolutely i'm a little nervous but we'll pretend like oh I'm don't not. be at all yeah no we're just we're just <laughs> hanging out yeah we're just we're just hanging out um and so as you may know we have about 10 minutes and so just tell me tell me everything yeah well i um grew up very christian okay um like the type of christian where like we had to do cartwheels in secret because cartwheels are dancing and you oh. can't do dance like you can't dance. So on, I guess that whole dance like, before the Lord thing just didn't yeah. translate oh, into your particular no. community. Well, it's in there and it's true because it's in there, <laughs> right. but it didn't happen. I got you. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, so I kind of grew up that way. Um, I guess just because like my mother was, um, a very religious person, but okay. then even too like, as she kind of, um, fell off due to like health concerns, like still very much like, went every time the doors were open mm. and made sure, <laughs> made sure the younger brothers went to like, was very, um, very active in it. Right. And yeah. And it, I like, as much as it's not a part of my life now, like it got me through some pretty rough things. Yes. Um, like it seems like anytime I talk about it now, like I'll say like, Oh, well when I was religious or when I was Christian, um, people always kind of look at you with that, like, well, what happened? Mm. Because it's easier for them, I think to like, associate it with an event 
like, oh, this happened. And then, well, you shouldn't let people, you know, pull you away from God, like, Mm. because it's easily fixable that way. Yes. Um, But for, and I know for some people, sometimes it is like that, but it wasn't necessarily like that for me. Hmm. Um, Like we went through that church that doesn't do cartwheels. Um, They Hmm. wound up splitting when I was um, 19 and that got really, really nasty. Hmm. Um, It was small town, like there were petitions at the local restaurant. Wow, like, okay. it, yeah, it was a big deal. Um, and then like, just like I was homeless for a little bit, but then even through all of that, like was very, very active for a long time. Um, hmm. but I'm actually like, I'm in Kentucky, so I'm not that far from you guys. Hmm. Um, and so Ken Ham started building that boat. I don't know if you are aware. Oh um, yes. The Ark Encounter. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Up, sure. It's up near Cincinnati. Um, but anyway, so that, like, I kind of got looking into it a little bit like that because that, at least, that realm, if we look at it like a spectrum, that area of the spectrum of Christianity was clearly preposterous. Like, the earth can't be 7,000 years old. <laughs> right, like, sure. we have rocks older than that. Like, right. what? Olive trees and, older than that, yeah. Right. Like, so there's actually, um, I've always been very interested in, like, science and logic mm. and like very black and white, like either something's true or it's not. Right. Um, so Bill Nye had this like mock debate with Ken Ham. Oh, I think I heard um, about that. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's okay. kind of long, okay. but it, it was very much worth my time. I won't mm. presume that it's worth yours, Mm-mm, but I'm sure it is. Um, I found it very interesting. And so that kind of started my, I guess, kind of area of deconstruction because it was to me very easy to deconstruct that. Right. Like, let's at like, least start there and let's at least yes. the, the, the things we can, you don't want to paint with a broad brush, but some things you, you really can and you maybe should. Right. And let's at least knock the big pieces out so we can get to right. the nuanced pieces. Yeah. Yeah. That is very much where my initial jumping off point Understood. kind of Makes was. Sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, okay. But then too, like once you've kind of started that, and I don't think that I intended to go this far with it when I started with that, like kind of exploring that. Well, what exactly is it that they believe before I just decided that it wasn't true? Um, and then, but once you've started that, like you can't, it's hard to find a place to stop. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like it, and so, when you kind of, it's just kind of, it's kind of like pulling the thread. I mean, once, once you start, you, you kind of, you, kind you of don't unravels. stop pulling the thread and wear a half sewn sweater. You kind of have to keep pulling the thread to see how far it goes. You have to. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're just holding this pile of yarn. Exactly. Oh, because for me, where it started off very scientific and very much a logical thing. Sure. Like at the time I was like, we had out of that church split came a kind of more hippie, non-denominational church. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was very, very active in like the youth ministry in that like was, it was kind of like a part-time job in the, in that it took up that much time of my Mm -hmm. life. Right. Um, and one of the people with whom I did that, like we kind of did like the more production-y kind of aspects of it, the making the, yeah. the lyric videos for worship and the making sure the light schemes match the, like we were a little hippie. It's mm-hmm. um, cool. But like one of the, and he's really still like, I very much consider him a friend. Like he did that, like we were kind of partners on that and he teaches science like for the public school system. Hmm. Or he did at the time, like he has a master's in all that. And I remember looking at him going, well, but you're a science teacher. Like, how do you reconcile 
these two seemingly very opposite things. Right. And just having that just very exasperated looking at him going, like, how do you do this? Because I can't make the pieces fit and make them, like, cohesive. Yeah. And in a way that felt true to me. Sure. And if it had remained purely scientific and very logical, then I would say that I probably would have still continued to call myself a Christian. Mm-hmm. But in that, I read the Bible more cover to cover when I was coming out of religion more than I ever did when I was actively in it. Sure. And just seeing that, like, it was kind of a slow transition, but it changed from like an ethic or from a factual, logical thing into more of like an ethics hmm. kind of thing. Because now I'm like, all right, even if I could excuse all of the like, all right, well, we'll say a day in Genesis doesn't actually mean 24. Like you can reason right. away anything. Right. But there are parts of it where I'm like, oh, well, even if that is true, I'm not sure that that aligns with like my personal ethics anymore. Mm-hmm. And by ethics, and you so, just mean like, the, the way that you practice the beliefs that you have. Yeah, like even just like how it affects behavior and treatment of other like, people. And, right, like being morally upstanding. Like there are yes. just parts of that. Like, and I won't go into too much detail, but like increasingly there were more things, and I'm like, oh. Well, even if this is true, I don't think I want to be a part of it. Right. Like, that's not something that I Hmm. can be a part of in good conscience. Yeah. I have my doubts about the facts anyway, but the practice of it is not something I I relate to or resonate with. Yes. Like, not to, like, put too fine a point on it, but, like, I actively participated in what was an attempt at, like, some conversion therapy because we had a person in our... um, in our youth group who felt like she might be a lesbian. Right. And not that it was any, like you say that in people picture like electroshocks and there wasn't anything like that. Right. But like I, and I've since like reached out to her and have apologized that I took part in that because Mm -hmm. like to ever make anybody feel like who they organically were wasn't okay with me. Right. Or wasn't okay with something we were a part of. Like it doesn't, like I, sorry, I still honestly like have a little bit of wrestling with that. Sure. Because I hate that I participated in that. And that just because he, I can only imagine the emotion that that brought up in her. Right. And I mean, it's, like, yeah, how can you, how can you call? Like how, they. Yeah. How can you ask someone to, or how can you hold? Well, I, I, so you have to, I have to be careful about how I say this and I'll, I won't no. find out until it comes out of my mouth, but it's like, how can <laughs> you, I mean, part of me, and th- this is, th- this won't, this phrase will not stand up for long um, under scrutiny, but hearing that hearing you know you say it is like how can you hold someone responsible for something that they didn't choose like exactly something that you know like it's like it'd be like somebody being mad at me for being short it's like (laughs) well shit what do you want me to do about it it's like yeah i'm short i mean i you know i'm like five five or five six like there's nothing i can do about it you can't really be mad at me about that Um, right and so and so imagining how hard that must be for someone to receive judgment for something about which they feel like they made no choice. And yeah, it's hard. Exactly. And it, yeah. So I, um, just kind of as a result of all of those ponderings and wonderings, I, um, I left. And when I, I think when I left, I thought it was going to be short term, but But maybe um, you just need a break and come back and with some perspective. Yes. Because I knew like I had realized and was self-aware of the point that I knew the only reason I was going was because I enjoyed the company of those who were also there. And I, Absolutely. like when I, that's right. 
Right. Like when I told like our like like I said, I worked in like the production y kind of aspect of them of it. And so when I told them that I was like, I, you know, this isn't enough of a reason for me to do something as encompassing as religion should be if it's done. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And so right. I thought that I was just stepping back like from working in the loft and then like I didn't fit going to like the congregation as a or going to services mm-hmm. as just a member of the congregation. Mm-hmm. And so then I stepped back from that. Just didn't feel right it, anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's been like four or five years now. Wow. <laughs> and I actually am might be a bit of an oddball because I had never heard of you right. prior to this podcast. Um, one of the men who also worked in that loft and kind of did the production type things, he reached out to me a little bit ago and turned me on to your podcast. Whoa. And I think that I, and I'm assuming because you all had said something about like wanting more like different voices, yes. which I initially was very resistant to because I'm like, now, wait a minute. My story has value because I'm a person, not because Absolutely. I'm like, absolutely. Not which, because I'm a person with boobs. Like, that's right. not... Right, no, 100%. And, and so this is the fight we're kind of fighting on both sides. Because it's like, we it's really more our wanting to intentionally seek out the stories of people whose voices we think are typically left out of a conversation like this. It's, right. it's typically a conversation dominated by white men. And mm-hmm. so in order to guard against the same thing that drove many of us out of churches which is conversations dominated by white men and power uh, uh, right. held in concentration by white men, we were already, just by seeing who was naturally responding and calling in and, and therefore mm-hmm. the stories that we had, um, it, it was if we weren't careful, it was going to run the risk of being dominated by the voices of white men. And, some, and not all straight white men, but still white men, and that was concerning yeah. to us. We are like, you know what, we want... We want people whose voices that we consider valuable to know it and to be pursued by us and and not just to say there's right. a place at our table for you, but to literally go out in to go out and bring them in and to say, We want right. your story is incredibly valuable. Like people need to hear the story and the emotion from the perspective of people who they might not typically relate to or understand or which is to say, like white dudes <laughs> need to have some perspective of how this feels from from the vantage point of uh, of a woman of a exactly, minority yeah. of uh, you know people of other races or genders people like intersectional voices and complicated sometimes voices like those are incredibly valuable when it comes to hearing how uh, sometimes toxic spirituality can af- how it particularly affects somebody with those you know, with right. those perspectives. And that's what we were concerned with. Um, your, your story absolutely has value simply because <laughs> it's your story. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean, to no, no, no. I just want to be very clear on that. You know, no, that, um, because I, I was re- a bit, I don't know if I want to say indignant, but I yeah. was a bit like, I felt like I had been like, now, wait a minute. Yeah. He just told me this because I'm a girl, right. but then part of me trying to leave or leaving Christianity in that I have kept my like social media feeds like intentionally very still yes like I still have many people on my social media feeds who are very very active in yes. that in an attempt to still keep my like my, my view of the world and remind myself that there are other perspectives out there yes um and so I I'm constantly seeing this like like Proverbs 31 is like a very yes. active like passage for women um and and it's something that had like David is that friend that turned me on to you guys. Yeah. Like 
had it not been in this moment in time, like it might not have gone over as well. But Mm -hmm. I find myself engaged now to Mm. a man who is very much just kind of the opposite from what I was taught that I needed Mm. in that whole, because when you grow up as a woman, like as a Christian woman, you're taught very much that like you need to find someone who like one sees God more than he sees you. But two, because you have to be able to trust that that person is going to lead you in the direction. Because sometimes as like as a wife and as a woman, like you don't get a say in decisions like that, because I, at least the way that my takeaway from it, like it's of course, it's going to be different for everybody, but it was very much like men guide the household and guide like you're going to guide us as a unit. And then I'm just going to kind of take care of everything down here. Like (laughs) whether it be, whether it be home or like if you have children, like I'm going to take every care of everything down here so that you can solely focus on God and what you want to do. Right. Which I mean, if it works for you, that works for you. But I find myself now, like I tell Logan all the time, like, we're like partners, like I view us yes. as teammates. Yeah. Like instead of making decisions like yeah. on what's best for me, yeah. I make decisions for what's going to benefit the team. Absolutely. But, but everyone has to do that for that to work. I mean, it's like not ironic that what you just described of an ideal kind of Christian marriage or partnership sounds for mm-hmm. sure like something that a man would have invented. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, it kind of does. I'm just saying. it's very much like you just be quiet because like we're not called to lead. I know. Like, like every, the I mean, I, there's just so yeah. much in the Bible that's like the way that it deals with women. And I'm sure I can already hear the voices saying, yeah, but Jesus dignified women because, you know, he, they're the ones he sent out to proclaim that he'd risen. He's there, you know, he engaged with women in, in provocative ways. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I'm saying, and I'm not, so I'm not saying that's not true, but, but on the whole, if, reading the entire Bible in the context, it's like, it's pretty rough on everybody but men you know yeah. uh but chosen men like men of a certain race men of a you know yeah. so it's like i don't know man that sounds like <laughs> something the dudes might have thought up i mean i'm I'm not saying either way i know i can't say with certainty but i'm just saying no. um anyway well no, it's, I see I, what you mean. yeah i can't tell you how much i appreciate your your um pushing through and being willing to share your story and um, and, uh, you know, it, and, and I, and I'm glad, we're glad to have you, uh, to, we're glad to be on your radar. And, uh, oh, yeah. and, Absolutely. uh, so, you know, we, we hope that you'll, um, that you'll come with us and that, uh, and, and anyway, I, I really appreciate your, you know, just your being willing to engage in this way and, uh, share your, absolutely. Yeah. You know. I think that we don't value it enough as yeah. a society. Yeah, like I totally agree. Having we, conversations. Like we need this. to hear each other's stories because they help us to feel sane in our own in as far as we hear other people's stories reflecting ours and realizes and realizing that we're not alone. You know, we're not the only ones doing this. And and so thank you for, for that. Um, Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. I hope that I didn't ramble too much. Not at all. It was a pleasure. <laughs> it was a pleasure. And uh, I hope we get to speak again sometime. Absolutely. All I right. look forward to hearing what you guys come out with. Thanks. Always great chatting with you. All right. Bye, dear. Bye.